Thank you for stopping by at the Movie Marquee. Our podcast reviews well-known movies and contains spoilers. The podcast may contain mature subject matter and mature language. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. And action. Welcome, listeners, to our Cameron Crowe double feature. To start with, we're going to be discussing Cameron Crowe and our relationship and how we got to know Cameron Crowe and a few things about Cameron Crowe so we can have a kind of a background before we actually start reviewing our two movies that we're going to be reviewing, which are Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous. So, Ken, how did you come to know Cameron Crowe and his work? Well, I met him at a bar and he slipped me a Mickey. And uh, next thing I know it, I woke up in this motel and everything went dark. It was very disturbing. I'm just kidding, of course. Came to know Cameron Crowe through the movie Say Anything with John Cusack. And then, of course, with Jerry Maguire and then Almost Famous. I probably really didn't know the name, though, until Vanilla Sky. So when Vanilla Sky came out, it was kind of Cameron Crowe's big feature, Vanilla Sky. It was touted out being this big Cameron Crowe film. And I'm like, oh, Cameron Crowe. Who's Cameron Crowe? And I look back in those other movies that I just mentioned, I loved. So I look forward to Vanilla Sky. And for another podcast, we'll talk how I feel about that one. All right. I also came to know Say Anything as well. I came a little bit later to the Say Anything party. Then I did a couple few of his other pieces of work. Eric, how did you come to Cameron Crowe? Well, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Uh, mine uh, was definitely Say Anything. It was at 1989, so I would have been 8th, ninth grade. Big music fan. The soundtrack just blew me away on that movie. And the movie itself, I'm a huge uh, John Cusack fan, which I know Ken is also a big John Cusack fan. The movie itself was just a great movie. I mean, yeah, it's a chick flick, but it just everything rolls with it. Ken, I think that encounter might have been with Russell Crowe. That sounds more like his M.O. That kind of does. He didn't call me, though. Yeah, that's definitely Russell Crowe. Probably for the best. He probably would have thrown the phone at you. But as you just mentioned, Eric, the music is something that probably hit on a lot with Cameron Crowe because... Uh, Freudian slip because it is an integral part of every one of his movies it's kind of a hallmark of him I came to know Cameron Crowe and his work in the strangest of places when I was in early high school bought a four disc set of Led Zeppelin because Led Zeppelin's one of my favorite bands and of course in the box set came a huge liner notes thing and it was written by Cameron Crowe and I didn't know who Cameron Crowe was but when I read the liner notes it was amazing i just fell in love with his writing then went further and started digging and that's when i realized oh he did in fact write and direct say anything which i liked and it really fits into that 80s motif movie it's technically not one of the brat pack our movies but it it fits into that vein But then, you know, Jerry Maguire came out and then Almost Famous came out. And Almost Famous hit me right in everything that I enjoy, which is music and everything about it just hit me. And I really then started to look into Cameron Crowe. And that's when I realized that he wrote the book for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is amazing. And when you look at how young he was when he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it's just absolutely bananas. But then if you go back even further, when he was barely in 
he was in high school and he was on tour with Led Zeppelin and the Allman Brothers and Neil Young and Deep Purple and Leonard Skinner. That's crazy. It's just amazing. He's led such an amazing life. So this kind of leads into the next question, because really the bulk of Cameron's really good work is that late 80s into the 90s era. So how do you guys think he fits in with the other really good writer directors of the 90s? I think he fits in really well with the group for the 80s and 90s. I wish we could see a little bit more from him. I don't know if he has anything new on the horizon. Everything he's put his mark on when it comes to writing Fast Times, when it comes to, say, anything, Almost Famous, Jerry Maguire, even Vanilla Sky. I mean, these are all great movies. Yeah, Vanilla Sky drags a little bit, but overall, it's still a very watchable movie. And I kind of wish that he could be doing some more stuff, maybe expanding his horizon into into today i agree i mean think about it too especially with movies and genres now movies today a lot of your great movies are backed by just incredible soundtracks right and he was kind of one of the first people to really roll in the soundtrack with the movie i mean if you think about watching these movies without that soundtrack it's a completely different movie altogether right and maybe not even watchable it's a completely different movie altogether. Funny, mm-hmm. yeah. How, how do you think he fits in? With the 90s itself, I believe he's top tier. Outside of the 90s, I think he dropped. I think he loses his consistency after Almost Famous. Yeah, so. I agree. I, I He falls off with Vanilla Sky and Elizabeth Town. They're definitely a step down from Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous. It seems like he put his whole heart and soul into Almost Famous, and then it just drops off. I'm yeah, not sure it, what it, happened. It is... He set the bar so high with those two movies, Jerry Maguire into Almost Famous, you almost have to keep going higher and higher and higher. And if you don't reach that plateau, your next movie, it's if it's not even comparable to an Almost Famous or a Jerry Maguire, critics will pan it and it just tanks. I think that's what happened with Elizabethtown. Yeah. Big time. I definitely agree with both of you, but I agree with Ken that he really fits into the 90s well. I'll bring up one of the other movies that shows that he fit into the 90s really well, and and that's Singles, because uh, that's another movie. It's about kind of rock stars and living that rock star, poor rock star existence, kind of. And that's another place that I really connected with Cameron on, because he kind of spoke to me in that way, because going into high school, most of my high school years were spent with Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all of the, the Seattle grunge groups. And that's really something that I connected with singles and I think that's one of his it was not a commercial success but I think it's found more of a cult audience especially with our generation who lived and transformed with the grunge movement and to continue on with his movies I mean again it had another incredible soundtrack exactly and that's where he really connects and you can really tell and this is going to kind of lead into the next part here that I want to discuss is you can tell by the way he writes his movies the dialogue is really honest and it's good and really almost Kevin Smith-esque as far as dialogue between characters but the thing that really you can tell that he was a journalist and you could tell that he has that authenticity authenticity that he brings to everything that he writes that you feel like you're being with that character in that time because take when he wrote Jerry Maguire he actually spent a year with sports agents of course almost famous is autobiographical and so he, he lived most of everything that happened but take Fast Times at Ridgemont High when he wrote the book 
because he was still so young, went undercover into a California high school and lived that existence. It seems so cliche now because it's this whole idea has been used in sitcoms where a character goes back and goes undercover or it's been done in another movie like Never Been Kissed by with Drew Barrymore where she goes undercover into a high school. But he actually did it. And that really brings a level of authenticity to his characters that a lot of writers don't have. So that's why one of the main reasons I would put him in a higher tier of writer-directors from the 90s. I, I really do include him with that breaking of the mold so to speak, set of writers and directors that really busted through and established themselves in the 90s. So here's what I would say about Cameron Crowe and what you said earlier about creating characters. Creating characters that I want to be. So I wanted to be Lloyd Dobbs from Say Anything. I wanted to be that character. I really liked that character and I felt like connected with that character. I wanted to be Jerry Maguire. I connected with Jerry Maguire. And then in Almost Famous, I connected with mm-hmm. William and how he looked at everything, the band and Penny Lane. And, and I think after Almost Famous, he loses that character that you connect to and want to be. I don't want to be the character in Elizabethtown or Vanilla Sky. Somewhere he loses that and I lost the connection to those characters. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. The movies themselves, uh, after Almost Famous, Elizabeth Town, Vanilla Sky, it's almost like a different, uh, it is, it is a different genre of movie. Mm -hmm. Totally different character base. Mm -hmm. When did he divorce his wife? Was it around 2000? It was around that time. It was right after the making of this movie, I believe. Because his movies seem to be different, maybe because he's in a different point of his life. Oh, that's a good point. You go through a divorce, your whole life changes. That's true. And also, he's older now. I have not seen We Bought a Zoo, but it kind of seems like from everything that I've read and heard, he kind of found that again with He Bought a Zoo. It was 2010 is when he divorced Nancy. So 10 years after. So that really didn't probably play a part in that. He came out with well, Vanilla Sky during that time and Elizabethtown during that time. Let's be honest here. When you go through a divorce, it's not like you wake up the next morning and go, I hate you. I'm going to leave you. Right. It usually takes a few years for that to culminate. So this probably started happening around 2005 in that ballpark, a couple years into it. So I think it probably did affect, uh, was, Van- was Vanilla Sky, what, 2006, 2007? 2001. Oh, where am I? Really? 2001? So he made that a year? Year after Almost Famous? Yeah. Wow. It might go again to the point where he invested so much in Almost Famous that it took in some time for him to reinvent himself. Because you, when you put your heart and soul into something, how can you bring your heart and soul back into another project? That movie is his life. I mean, literally, yeah. it's a story of a, a four-year block of his life. If you listen to interviews, even though he was very kind, he was very demanding of that film, more so than any movie that I heard him work with. He was very much about getting takes over and over and over and over. I did hear that too. The way I heard him discuss it, though, was that he does enjoy that, though, trying to get the different aspects of the intricacies of different things. We've discussed a lot here about Cameron, and we are going to be discussing two movies in our drive-in double feature. So let's discuss a little bit about Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous and how they are related. I'll start it off by saying, without Jerry Maguire and the success of Jerry Maguire and everything that came with Jerry Maguire, 
Maguire, Almost Famous probably doesn't get made because having a success like a Jerry Maguire, where you have somebody of the cachet of a Tom Cruise set basically codify your career at that point and say that you are legitimate and then to be acknowledged by all of the awards season and then you actually get a win with Cuba Gooding Jr. Almost famous then he's given a leeway that he didn't have before. He was given a blank check pretty much to do what you need to do to make this movie hands off. Exactly. And I think that that's an interesting relationship. And that's kind of why I'm glad that we are choosing these two movies to talk about because they are so intricately related to each other in that way, because it freed Cameron to be able to make the movie that he wanted. And he'd been wanting to make this movie for, I believe it was 10 years. Yeah. Him and his wife had been working on it together. In fact, they were writing songs together on their honeymoon. Right. And that wraps up our discussion of Cameron Crowe, who is, again, the subject of our first drive-in double feature. So we'll see you when we start to review the movies, Almost Famous and Jerry Maguire.